Church, thank you for the way we have praised God this morning, and I appreciate Kyle and Spencer and Matt for leading us the way that they have. There's a message behind each one of these songs, and that message is God loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our greatest problem that we will ever have, and that is our sin. Before we get into our study time this morning, we're going to go to God in prayer, and we have several things that we want to lift before him. Before we pray, we celebrate today with Ed and Cheryl Bullard, 54 years of marriage. Let's praise God for that. And you know, this is a wonderful time of the year, especially for children. And this week is going to be a busy week, right parents, right grandparents? But in the midst of the waiting and in the midst of all the hustle and bustle that goes on during this week, I want to bring a couple of things before us as we pray. I want us to keep Weber Woodall in our prayers as he goes back to Greenville for test. Visited with Molly some yesterday, and they're hurting. They're confused. They want answers. And as Molly and I talked about yesterday, sometimes one of the hardest things that we have to do is we have to wait. And we have to be patient until those tests come back and those answers are given to us. And so, Molly, you and Weber, we love you and our prayers are with you. And also, early Friday morning, many of you know, Marcus and Sharon Roden received a phone call that their youngest grandson, three years old, Rayleigh, passed away suddenly in their home. Their daughter Heather went in to wake Rayleigh up only to find Rayleigh had passed away. What do you say? What do you do? Several of us stood in the living room of Marcus's house Friday. There was a stillness there. There was God at work. And at a time like that, all you know to do is to pray. And Marcus asked me before I left, he said, I know you'll do this, but I especially want you to not only pray, but I want you to thank the church ahead of time for me, for loving us and for praying and walking with us during this difficult time. If you kept up with little Rayleigh on Facebook, Heather posted a lot of fun pictures of Rayleigh. One of the last pictures that she posted the day before when he was at school, he was sitting on Santa's lap with the biggest smile on his face that you can only imagine. 
what a way to remember a little three-year-old. So this week, as you go about your things of life, as Marcus shared with me Friday before I left, he gave me a big hug and he said, go love on your kids and go thank God for them daily because you never know. And he's so true. And so I'm going to ask us to join hands this morning as a family of believers. And if you would, let's go to God in prayer as we remember these families. Father, we thank you for the avenue of prayer. We thank you, Father, for this connection that we have with you. That we can always call on you, we can always come to you anytime. And Father, this morning as we gather as a family, we are hurting because there are those in our midst that are hurting. And Father, we pray for our brother Weber Woodall and for Molly. And we pray that you be with them and walk with them in the days to come as they patiently wait for tests and for answers from doctors on what they need to do next about Weber's health. Father, we know you're the great physician, you're the great healer, and we ask that you work as you already have in ways that we cannot even begin to see. And Father, our hearts are so heavy this morning for Marcus and Sharon and Corey and Heather and all of their family as they grieve the sudden loss of an innocent child, a young child. But Father, we know that even though we don't understand it, even though, Father, there's nothing good about this, we know, Father, that little Rayleigh is with you. And for that, we praise your name. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for little children. And right now, I pray for a mom and a dad and for grandparents and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles who are hurting so bad. And I pray that you bless them and wrap your loving arms around them. Father, we know you're the God of all comfort. And I know this family needs comforting right now so bad. Thank you for reaching them and loving them the way you do. May our lives always be a blessing to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of the church said, You know, just like in our own days, 
where times are dark, where there are times in our life where we have more questions than we do answers. All of us have been there. All of us have those days. This morning I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And as you look there, you begin to see that in Isaiah's day, it was extremely dark. The nation had kind of sunk into their own version of a famine. It wasn't a famine of food like sometimes we think of. It was a famine of hope. And it was a famine where the people had literally just kind of walked away from God. They just stopped listening to him. If you look over in Isaiah chapter 1, it begins like this. It says, Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manager, but Israel does not know my people do not understand. It's one thing to walk away from somebody, but when you walk away from the very one who breathed life into you, that's hard to understand, isn't it? And yet we live in a time just like we read about in Isaiah chapter 9 where people do that day in and day out. They forsake the one that loved them. And they walk away. Some of us may be going through this same thing today, a personal famine from whatever it is, and we feel that times are dark and we wonder, God, are you going to arrive? Are you going to be there? And then we're reminded in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, that God ushers in his son Jesus, and he calls him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So somehow, some way this morning, we have to believe the God of heavens and the God of the earth, that when he says that, we have to believe that he is walking with Marcus and Sharon and Corey and Heather as they grieve the loss of such a young child, God with us. And so on the edge of this darkness, God reveals that I'm going to do something new. Even though there was a time where you walked away, and even though there was a time where you even listened to other voices rather than mine, I'm still going to do something new in your day. And he even talks about that. So I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 9, and I want to start reading in verse 2. John, do we have this on the screen? Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of, 
What kind of darkness, church? Deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For us, a child is born, a son is given to us. And let's read this next part. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then verse 7, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army. You see that? The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Powerful words that God will deliver. I love the little story of the little three-year-old who's sitting on Santa's lap. And she looks up at him and she says, Santa, are you a politician? Thought I would tell this since we're kind of in that time of the year, right? And he goes, well, no, honey. Why do you ask? And a little innocent child says, because you always promise more than you deliver. Well, as we read here in Isaiah chapter 9, there's a lot of promises. And you can mark this down. God delivers all of them. And not only does he deliver all of them, he delivers them in a big way, doesn't he, church? And he does that in such a way that he promises that it will be a blessing to us as his children. And so do you see what he says here? He says, those in darkness will see a great light. That joy will replace despair. Boy, when we're walking in despair, when we're in the middle of that, it is hard to see that, isn't it? It's hard to believe it. It's hard to even think can joy even be there? Can it even be present with all this despair and all this doom and gloom that's going on in our life? There was a lot of doom and gloom and all of that in Isaiah's day simply because they walked away. They walked away from God and they started listening to other voices and all of that's taking place and yet through all of that, do you see the mercy of God? He didn't have to do this, but in his loving way, he says, those in darkness will see a great light. Church, you can mark this down. Light and dark cannot live together. Okay? Light and darkness cannot be at the same place. And the good news that we see is light always prevails. Light always has the upper hand. Now, why is that? 
because God, through his son Jesus, is the light. And what he talks about here, he says one day you're going to see this. And one day you're going to understand it. And one day you're going to realize that those in darkness, where you are right now in Isaiah's time, you will see a great light. And joy will replace despair and the enemy's power will be broken. Boy, if there's ever a time where we need to hang on to something, it is that right there, isn't it? Because the God of heaven and the God of earth and his army of angels is so much stronger than anything that Satan can throw our way. And still, we see that spiritual battle, that spiritual warfare that takes place every day. But should we be surprised because from the beginning of time, God said it would be that way. But those of us that believe in the power of Jesus Christ, the enemy's power will be broken. And the problem that we have as his people is not only do we not buy into that sometimes, we don't practice it. It's time for us as people of faith and as his children to grab hold of all of those blessings that he gives to us. And one of those blessings is the power to understand that the enemy's power will be broken. And so when you read these verses, they tell us something. If there's going to be light, we can't manufacture it ourselves. Jesus is the light of the world. Joy is something that I just don't come up with. It's not just something that I turn on the TV and Dr. Phil is going to say, here's the recipe for Joy is that inner feeling, it's that inner peace that can only come from the one above. So, think about it this way, and this makes no sense to people in the world. How is it that things can be going bad, things can be going rough, things can be going hard, and yet inside our hearts we can still have joy? I don't know. It's a God thing, right? It's a God thing. How often do you hear people say as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you hear people say, I don't know how we would get through this if it wasn't for Jesus and his church and a family of believers that will walk with us. That's not by accident, is it? That's his divine plan of how he works and so these verses remind us we can't just beat up our enemies because our enemy is unseen and if he's going to be attacked and if he's going to be looked at every day with power we have to receive that power from Jesus himself I want to put this another way how many of you have been watching all the Christmas movies that they've been showing on TV they started 25 days ago, and they're leading up to this week, right? Well, one of my favorites is the Christmas story. 
You remember the boy who's attacked by the neighborhood bully? Now I want you to go back in your own life. Did you have a bully in your life? Did you have someone that just constantly picked on you? I mean, as a little kid, it just bothered you. It just bugged you to death. And you just wanted that little kid, that bully, to go away, right? Well, if you remember, an uninvited neighborhood bully moves in and he is inflicting pain on this little child every day. And there's nothing that he seems that he can do about it, okay? Now, I want you to think about this. How would you like to know that every day of life, you have your own personal bodyguard walking around with you? Well, that'd be pretty nice, right? Well, let's think about it this way. You have that in God. He's your comfort. He's everything that you will ever need. And there's a word here that Isaiah says in verse 6 that I love. And it is, Jesus will be known as the mighty God. Not only is he the mighty God, he says he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. But the one that really sticks out to me is he will be called the mighty God. What does that word mighty mean? It means a hero. It means a proven warrior, somebody who's unafraid to battle, and he will never be defeated. You hear that? God is not afraid to go to battle. God will never be defeated. And as we sing the song, who does the battle belong to in the first place? It belongs to the Lord, not to us. And if we realize and we tap in to what Isaiah says here, that Jesus will be called the mighty God. Man, he will be that warrior and that hero. He will be that person that's unafraid to battle for you. So in many ways, we have that bodyguard. We have that one who's there that walks with us, that loves us, that guides us, that protects us. And so because of that, we can overcome anything that's thrown our way. He is not afraid of a fight. That's the kind of bodyguard that I want with me. One that's not afraid to put up a fight. And here's something else you're always guaranteed with God. You will always win. Because he's fighting for you. God, in so many ways... He's wanting the people in Isaiah's day to see this. And when Isaiah prophesied about this child that would come, he said something that's so distinct. This child would be called God. And in addition, he's called mighty because he is the one who will cause all things to change. And so think about this. When you and I face impossible situations we've got to recognize that we've laid claim to a savior 
who is both the creator of all things and the one who is the provider of overcoming power. He gives us that power day in and day out. He's the mighty God. I want you to think about this. Only God can reverse the irreversible. Only God can fix the unfixable. Only God can do the undoable and beat the unbeatable and save the unsavable and change the unchangeable. And you are right. Only God can do those things. And I don't know what it is in your life and in my life this morning that needs fixed, that needs to be molded and shaped into something new. I don't know what it is. But I beg you this morning to look long and deep into your heart and to realize that mighty God can take care of all of that. And not only can he take care of it, he will work it in a way that will blow us away. May we never forget that. My king was born mighty God. He's the mighty God of righteousness. He's the mighty God of the ages. He's the mighty God of heaven. He's the mighty God of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king, and he is the mighty God. Do you know him? He's the mighty God of limitless love. He knows no end to his supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Our mighty God is strong. Jesus, the mighty God, is so knowledgeable that there's nothing hidden from him. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. I'm talking about Jesus, the mighty God, the miracle of the age. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's mighty God and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives sinners. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He is the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislatures. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the mighty God. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. And the heaven of heavens cannot contain them. You can't get them out of your mind. You can't get them off your hands. You can't outlive them, and you can't live without them. And there'll be nobody before him and nobody after him. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. He is the mighty God. And the church said, amen. amen. Let's stand as we sing this song this morning. Why did my Savior come to earth?